welcome. Thank you for joining us this morning for this video stream. We're going to be doing this every Sunday for as long as we have to, to stay connected the best way we know how during this thing with this coronavirus. And uh, I just want to thank you this morning for tuning in. Ask you to tell your friends, tell your family about our live stream so that they can join us as well. This morning, I want to just say, don't fear, as my message title was last week, fear not. Don't fear this virus. It seems like everyone that I hear from, everyone that I talk to, they're afraid of this virus. This morning, I'm just telling you, don't fear, but you respect it. It's like I said to someone the other day, I said, you don't need to go out and lick one of the handles on a grocery cart. Respect the virus, but don't fear it. Don't take any unnecessary risk. If you need us to shop for you, to run errands for you, we've got people in our church that would be glad to do that for you. If you're in that group that really shouldn't be out and about running errands and shopping. So let us know, and we'd be glad to do it for you. We're going to be preparing and delivering meals in the very near future to those that can't get out, those that shouldn't be getting out. And so if you know of anybody who would need meals prepared for them and delivered to them, please let us know. Contact us here at the church office, and we'll be able to get meals to them. I want to also say thank you for giving. During this time, uh, your giving is so important to the lifeblood of this ministry to keep our missionaries on the field and to keep this local assembly running. I'm going to ask you, though, if you would take a moment and just pray about this, but we are going to try to build up our benevolence fund. And the reason we're doing this is because we believe there's going to be a lot of need as this whole thing progresses in the weeks and perhaps even the months to come. And so we want to be prepared as a church so that we can buy the necessary food items that we need to keep our food ministry going, but also to be able to help families and assist families with uh, rent and uh, monies that they need to uh, just live everyday lives because their lives have been so affected by uh, this virus. So if you would like to make a donation to our Benevolence Fund, please do so because we're going to try to build it up in the coming weeks. Um, let's just take a moment right now and pray for those that are in our church family that really need prayer. Dan Pierce is in the hospital. Ed Barnett is in the hospital. And uh, we need to uh, pray over those that are on the front lines, our healthcare workers, our EMS, our first responders, our government leaders. It seems like every time somebody's on TV announcing something, they look extremely tired. And it is probably because they've not had sleep for a long time. So pray for our government leaders, those uh, that have this virus, those that uh, uh, have families that uh, are dealing with the, this virus. We pray that God would stop this plague that his mighty hand would move and intervene and with a force of his great strength literally stop this virus from spreading. So take a moment, if you would, with me and pray. Father, we just lift up those that um, are in the hospital, Ed and Dan. Father, touch their bodies, touch their hearts, Lord God, with your precious touch and bring healing to them, Lord God. We pray over our frontline 
folks, those that are in the healthcare industry, Lord God, those that are taking care of all of those that have come down with this virus, our government leaders, and Father, those that have contracted this virus and the families, Lord God, that are dealing with this, Lord, we just pray that that you would just bring your, your hand upon this whole situation, God. Touch the lives of those individuals that need strength, Lord. Touch the lives of those individuals that need healing. Father, we also lift up to you, Lord God, this whole pandemic as it literally sweeps across our globe. And we ask you, God, to intervene. Father, for your mighty hand to stop this, Lord, because you are a great God. And Father, you are above all things. And so we reach out to you this morning and ask you, God, through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God, that you would just mightily intervene against this evil virus, Lord. And we put all of this in your hands this morning and thank you for it in Jesus' name. Let's just take a moment and spend some time to just worship the Lord. I just encourage you where you are just to uh, come to a place where you just uh, uh, relax in his presence and feel the Holy Spirit as he moves into where you're at. In Jesus' name. Again, thank you for joining us this morning. The title of my message is Mr. Rogers and COVID-19, and that'll be explained just a little bit later of how they work together. If you'll open your Bibles, we're in Luke chapter 10 this morning, and so we'll be reading that scripture in just a moment. Open doors, open doors. An open door is an opportunity. It's an opportunity, and whenever you have opportunity, the one thing that we're all told to do is to take advantage of that opportunity, to go through that open door. And I believe we're going through the open door. We were just ramping up with our Acts 2 journey. We were taking advantage of an opportunity that I believe was set in front of us as we had a team of people that had worked diligently behind the scenes. And our Acts 2 journey was just unfolding. We were right in the midst of uh, starting small groups. In fact, we would have been kicking off small groups today. But boom, everything changed. Everything shut down. And it seems as though that door, that Acts 2 journey, that um, uh, process that we were going to be walking through in these next weeks and months and even years, it all came to a screeching, a screeching halt with this coronavirus. It seems as though maybe that opportunity is gone or maybe we've just lost the momentum. This crazy virus that uh, has uh, literally been vomited right out of the pit of hell seems as though it's brought everything to a stop. But I believe that there could be a silver lining to this dark storm. Can this virus be an opportunity? You see, right now it might not feel like it, but I think perhaps this is one of the greatest opportunities that the church has seen in recent years. And I I firmly believe this, that we as a local body of believers, that we as individuals need to seize this opportunity. We need to walk through the open door that I believe God has set before us in the midst of this crisis. The word tells us that he can make all things work together for our good that are called according to his purpose. And I believe God has an opportunity set before us that we can indeed take advantage of. So this is Luke chapter 10, and I want to read from verse number 25. So it says, And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? 
What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Then Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him, and whatever, you, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. So this morning, as we take a look at this story, you, you have the players of a Levite, a priest, and a Samaritan, and a wounded man on the road that had been beaten and robbed by thieves. And so there are stories in the Bibles, Bible, whenever you look at them, that um, uh, give us a reason to cheer because there's a hero in the story. And uh, we go home rejoicing from those stories, uh, uh, the, the, the giant killer, the, the lion slayer, the individual that led God's people out of captivity. This morning, whenever we look at this story, I'm not sure in this story if it quite fits that mold of a, of a, of a, of a hero. Because you see, this Samaritan is kind of just a regular guy. Um, but whenever you look closer, I think indeed you'll be able to see that this story has a definitive hero. And that hero is the Good Samaritan. The priest passes by, the Levite passes by, but the Samaritan, he stops, he loves this man, he heals this man, he gives, this, gives to this man, and even goes the extra mile and says, whenever, uh, whatever else is needed in this man's life, whenever I come back, you just put it on my account and I'll pay it. So this, this Samaritan is a person who made a difference in this man's life. I heard a story years ago about a young boy who was out on the beach one morning and in the middle of the night, the sea stars by the tens of thousands had washed up on this beach and then the tide had gone back and all of these sea stars were stranded on the beach. I mean, tens of thousands of them, and this young boy was going by, and he was picking up one, and he was throwing it into the ocean, and he was picking up another one and throwing it into the ocean. And so a gentleman that was walking along the beach stopped the little boy, and he says, man, he said, you know, he said, you can't surely be thinking you're going to be able to throw all of these into the ocean. And what difference could you make just throwing a few out of the tens of thousands that are on this beach? The young boy looked at him, and he says, well, it makes a difference to this one, and he threw it in the ocean. 
You see, this morning, that's what the Good Samaritan did. He made a difference in one person's life. He loved that person. He healed that person. He made a difference in a man's life, and he became the hero of the story. He became that man's hero. I mean, if you think about it, he became that man's family's hero as well. I can imagine whenever this man returned home, I don't know if he had a wife or kids, the Bible doesn't tell us, but let's just for a moment think he did. I mean, here is a man returning home from a cataclysmic event that took place in his life. And what does he do? He names this Samaritan as his help. He names this Samaritan as the one who went the extra mile to make sure he could return to his family. So he indeed was a hero. I believe that Jesus tells this story to show us the difference between being religious and making a difference for God. Because I believe there is a difference. I think there's so many churches that are dwindling down in number because they're looking for this next great program, this next great marketing strategy to put them over the top. But it's really simple this morning. We have to become a hero. We got to stop passing up opportunities and we got to begin to make a difference in the world. We have to become a good neighbor. I have a video this morning I want to play for you and I think you'll recognize it. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, might as well say, would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Mr. Rogers wanted a neighbor. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I've always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please, won't you please, please won't you be my neighbor? You see, at the start of each show, Mr. Rogers invited his audience to be his neighbor. He wanted them to be his neighbor. But truthfully this morning, I've got to just wonder, do we really still need neighbors? I mean, if you look back in history, if you start in the decade of the 50s, let's say, it seemed like everybody in the 50s had neighbors. It didn't make any difference if you lived in a city or if you lived in a very rural community. If you lived anywhere in the United States, you had a neighbor. 
Now, if you live very rural, it might be five, six miles down the road, but still that was your neighbor and you depended on that neighbor. You depended on them for all kinds of things and they depended on you. If you had somebody in the city living and right next door, across the street, people had neighbors and they depended on one another. In the 60s, however, that began to change. You see, the country began to split. There was a there was a a, a real tidal wave coming that made our country into something other than it was in the 50s. We were no longer one nation under God. Political views began to creep in and it began to change the very dynamics of what our country was. In the 70s, that split just continued to get wider and wider and wider. The political differences literally began to separate our, uh, the citizens of this nation. And slowly but surely, there came a place where neighbors were not nearly as important as they used to be. In the 80s and 90s, the country was on a path to make everyone independent. We didn't need neighbors anymore. All we, uh, uh, all we needed was ourselves. In fact, just think about this for a minute. We, in, the, in the 50s, if you needed an egg or you needed a cup of sugar, what did you do? You go to the neighbor's house, knock on the door, can we borrow an egg? It wasn't borrowing it, it was just give me an egg, I needed to make my cake. In the 90s, you have convenience stores that are popping up everywhere. You've got these little convenience stores that it's no longer necessary to go next door and borrow anything from your neighbor because you could just run to the grocery store and quickly get whatever it was you need. You didn't need a neighbor. In the 80s and 90s, there were privacy fences that began to pop up everywhere. So many differences, and they just became more and more divided as a nation. In the 80s and 90s, people began to install garage door openers. The only openers they had back in the 50s were just a strong muscle to get underneath the door and lift it up. But garage door openers gave us the ability to live inside our homes, to enter and to exit without our neighbors ever seeing us. So we could virtually live in a neighborhood for years and years and years and nobody would ever even see us because we went in and out of our home through the garage door. We hired somebody to mow our lawns. It divided us. That's where the the term cocooning came in. It was in the 80s and 90s. Now we're in the 2000s and we no longer really need neighbors. We don't need neighbors to watch over our property as it was many years ago. Now we have cameras, now we have alarm systems, and it watches over our our property for us. No need to leave your home to get anything here in the 2000s because you can order in food, you can have your groceries delivered, you can have your clothing delivered, you get all your entertainment via the internet. You see, we've come to a place in our country where it looks like that we don't need one another anymore. This virus, however, I think is beginning to open the eyes of churches, communities, and even our nation of how much we really need one another. You see, in this shutdown these last couple of weeks, I've really began to look around and evaluate where it is that I'm at. I appreciate people more than I perhaps used to. I appreciate the folks that are checking out my groceries and stocking the shelves and those individuals that are working on the front lines in the medical field. I just cannot imagine what it would be like without them right now. We need them. 
I'm just going to be very honest with you. I miss you. I miss my church family. I miss the fellowship that we have with one another. I miss those moments where we congregate and, and we come together in Jesus' name. I'm, I miss you. You see, I believe if there was ever a time that the world needs some really good neighbors, it's now. We're living in a moment like none other. I've never experienced anything like this. I've been alive for 58, almost 59 years, and I've never seen anything like this. You see, I believe the world is confused right now. I believe the world is very frightened right now. There's so much bad news. It seems like every hour of the day on the news networks, it's just bad news, bad news, bad news. And I just, I think that there's a moment right now that we could walk through an open door that the Lord's giving us where we could take advantage of this nation, that this world even needs some good news. I'm tired of the bad news. The good news of the gospel. That's what Jesus has placed in our hands to be distributed all over this world, all over our communities, in our neighborhoods. You see, there's a multitude of people around each and every one of us that need some good neighbors. Some neighbors that will tell them the good news. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. It says, this is Jesus talking in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You see, the world needs to hear and see what we believe. They need to hear and see what we believe. That's lighting that lamp and letting it illuminate in this darkness that we're experiencing right now. That's taking the salt, that that's who we are, and seasoning those that are around us. You see, but we have a choice. Are we going to be people that pass by as the Levite and the priest? Or are we going to stop and tend to the needs of the people that God's put in our path? You see, each and every one of us, I believe, are on that road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And we pass by people every day. Our lives interact with them. God has placed people in our pathway that he wants us to minister to. I believe that myself and probably everyone that's listening have passed by somebody at least once in our lives we've all passed by we've all walked on the other side of the road if you would but this morning i want to be somebody that is found making those stops that god needs me to make you see i want to become that hero that god can use to minister into the lives of the people that are around us in fact, I don't want to just do it by myself. I'm praying that this church is full of people who begin to make those necessary stops. Make those necessary stops to minister to the lives of people, not just pass by. You see, until we were so rudely interrupted by this coronavirus, our Acts 2 journey was taking us to a place where the church becomes the people, not a building. You see, that's the whole idea of this whole Acts journey, is 
that it's not about these four walls, but it's about the individuals that call Trinity Church their home. The church is people. You see, it's Christ in us, Jesus in our lives. It's, it's Christ in us and it's Christ through us to the hurting world that's around us. It's about us carrying the hope of Jesus Christ to, to our neighbors. So let's look at who passed by in this story of the Good Samaritan. Let's look at why they might have passed by. Let's uh, look at the reasons we might pass by. And maybe even look at some reasons of why we would stop and give ministry. So let's look at who passed by. The Bible tells us it was a priest and a Levite. This is kind of one of those things that stings as a minister of the gospel. You see, as they both represent something that really isn't about religious service. Sometimes we get so wrapped up in doing religion that we miss the opportunities that God has given us to do ministry. You see, I'm sure Jesus used these two individuals, this Levite and this priest, to drive home a point to all those who want to serve God from a religious point of view. Folks, i got to be honest with you. Religion sometimes really, really smells rank. we got so many churches today that are just going through religious motion, and whenever God is looking at churches to not go through religious motion, but to go through ministry, to have compassion on those that are around us and be good neighbors to them. You see, this Levite and this uh, uh, priest, they were both busy doing religious service. And this is a real problem. There's a difference between being religious and being a Christian. Sometimes our, our quest for good, we bypass the very best that God has for us. The goal isn't theology. The goal isn't spiritual recognition. You see, the goal is to be like Jesus. And I will tell you this. If Jesus would have been the main player on the road from Damascus uh, down to Jer- I mean Jerusalem to Jericho, I promise you this, Jesus would have stopped. Jesus would have ministered to this man. He would not have passed by. So let's look at why they might have done this. Because, folks, there's always a reason behind it. Maybe they were in a hurry to get to synagogue. I can remember a few years ago, whenever all my kids were young, we used to drive to church on Sunday morning. Now, remember, this is not for reals. I wasn't doing this, but it was just to make my family laugh. We'd drive up behind somebody at a stoplight, and I would start screaming at them in the car to get out of my way because we're going to church. I'm going to teach the love of Jesus, so get out of my way. And my kids would all have a laugh about it, but it wasn't for real. But sometimes I believe we can get that way. Maybe these two individuals, they were just in a hurry to get out of uh, or to get to synagogue and they just wanted this uh, uh, this inconvenience to to not slow them down. You see, religion can cause us to become too churchy, to feel like ministry has to go on inside the four walls of this church. You know, I used to think in fact, I actually proposed this to the board once. I thought it would be a good idea just to close our Sunday morning service down for a week. Not to have church, just 
Just have people show up, and whenever they showed up for church, just send them on an assignment to go out in our community and serve our community. So not have church. Just go out and serve. Just go find somebody and love on them. Just go find somebody and have compassion on them. Now here's the thing. I think I got my wish. This is our third Sunday now where we've not gathered together in a building. But I do believe that in the midst of this, we can't deny that there's opportunity to minister out there. Maybe these two individuals just decided the person had it coming. This, this person laying on the side of the road, he got what he deserved. You see, many times the lack of effort in helping those who need comes from this predisposition or maybe us making a judgment that, well, if they'd have been in church, that wouldn't have happened to them. If they'd been doing the right thing, it wouldn't have happened to them. You see, we think that way sometimes. We think, well, if they would have just listened to me, and I will tell you this, as a pastor, I've had this happen so many times, they should have listened to me a long time ago and they wouldn't have had this happen to them. There's all kinds of reasons maybe why they passed by. One of them could have been they just don't care. They just don't care about people. As long as I'm righteous, as long as I'm on my way to heaven, as long as my family's doing good, I really don't have any desire to reach out and help anybody. You see, religion has this tendency of making people self-centered, makes people self-absorbed. So one more thing we need to explore why might we pass by? Because again, I believe that all of us are on this, this road, this road going from, from Jerusalem to Jericho. All of us have this journey that we're on, and each one of us, I believe God puts in our way these opportunities to minister, these opportunities to give life, to give, to give love, to give healing to individuals, families, even a community. Well, why, why, why might we be people who pass by? One of the main reasons is, is we might not care for the lost and hurting in this world because of all of the effort that's required. It takes effort to minister to people. It takes time. It takes energy. Sometimes it takes a lot of finance. It's one of the reasons why I ask for a benevolence offering. So if you can give, it helps us to be able to, to minister to lives that are outside of this uh, church. Sometimes it's just easier to go to our weekly church service and do our duty for the week and then just go home. Not be burdened down with all this stuff that takes so much time and takes so much effort. Maybe we don't have as much Jesus in us as we profess. It's another good reason why we might pass by. We might not like people that much. Yeah, there's people, there's churches that just don't like people that much. One of the things that's always made me kind of proud of Trinity is that whenever people come here for the first time or they come here uh, as, as a guest of someone else, one of the things our congregation does is they love on them. They're very open and they're very receptive to them, regardless of where they might come from, regardless of what they might look like. 
But there are churches that if they don't look exactly like you, they don't want you in the service. You don't dress the same way. You don't look the same way. You don't talk the same way. You're not the same race. You see, we've got to be a church that loves people. Because if we ever get out of the people business, we'll be people who pass by instead of stop. We might not, uh, um, we might not stop for all of these reasons. But what is it that could get us to stop? What's going to get us to put our car in park and get out and minister? What is it going to take to get us to be their neighbor? To have compassion like the, like the Samaritan had compassion. Jesus had compassion. He had compassion on the, on the multitudes. You see, until you and I get that same compassion that the Good Samaritan had, that same compassion that Jesus had, until we get that same compassion, until we get that same love for sinners, for the lost, for the sick, for the lonely, for the hurting of this society that you and I are a part of, we'll never stop. We've got to say, God, give me a love for people. Give me a compassion for people as you have that compassion. You see, we have the ability, you and I, this church has a great ability to make a difference in this world by the love that Jesus puts in our hearts. You see, Jesus would oftentimes end or tell a story, and he would end that story by saying, go and do likewise. And that's what you see here in the story of the Good Samaritan. Jesus is telling us, whenever he says, go and do likewise, he's telling us to walk on the right side of the road. You see, I believe the Levite and the priest, I think they were on the wrong side of the road. You see, anybody who is a giver, anybody who is a helper, a person of love, a person uh, of, of compassion, that's a person that's walking on the right side of the road. That person is a true neighbor. We have an enormous door, I believe, that God has set in front of us. You see, we can make a difference for the glory of Jesus Christ. We can make a difference for his kingdom. We can build his kingdom by just becoming neighbors. Neighbors. I think the world needs some really good neighbors. I'll be honest with you. I think your friends, your family, even in your neighborhood, I think they need you to be a good neighbor to them. Not people that pass by, but people who stop and lend a hand. And so this morning, this whole message is about being good neighbors and to go out and find ways to love on our community. This morning, I could give a list of how you and I could go out and love on our community, but I believe the Holy Spirit is so much better at ministering to each one of our hearts and filling our lives with, with that inclination of what it is we need to be doing, who it is that we need to be serving, who it is that we need to be loving on, how we need to be loving on them. And so this morning, I think we got to take advantage of this incredible door of opportunity that God has laid before us. 
Yeah, we've closed the doors and we're not meeting together, but it doesn't mean that Trinity has to fade away and not minister to those that are in, a, in our community. It doesn't mean that we just sit tight and just wait for this thing to blow over because God has filled us up with so many good things that we can be giving to others. You see, whenever this is all said and done, and it will be, there's going to be a time in our very probably near future that we're all going to be back in this building doing church as we've done church. But may it be said, whenever this all blows over, that we were on the right side of the road, that Trinity Church folks were found ministering to those in our community speaking words of life into them instead of the death that spoke into them every day by the news media, speaking words that build up and encourage, speaking words that brings peace and not fear, stopping and being that good neighbor that God is inviting us to be for the community that's around us. So let me just read these words of the great philosopher, Mr. Rogers, just one more time as we close. It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please, won't you be my neighbor? This morning, I believe that's the cry of the heart of people that are around us. They're asking us, to be their neighbor. They may not be verbally saying that, but in their hearts, they need something. They need something for this fear. They need something for this anxiety. They need something for the, the ditch that this virus has put them in financially, economically. They're, they're suffering. Their families are in misery and we can offer them this compassionate love that Christ gave to us so that we might be able to dispense it out to others. Pray with me if you would. Father, this morning, I thank you so much for the power of your Holy Spirit and what he is able to do in us and through us. For it is indeed Christ in us, but it is indeed Christ through us as well. So this morning, Father, I pray for this community of believers we call Trinity Church. I pray, Father, that the power of your Holy Spirit would be upon each of our lives. And God, I pray this. Open our eyes to the way you would have us to serve. Open our eyes to those that are around us. As we journey down this road from Jerusalem to Jericho, Lord, indeed, there are those that need us to stop and be a good neighbor. Because after all, Lord God, the heartbeat of this church is to love God, to love people. And Father, we need to love people and be the neighbor that you have called us to be. Because Father, there are those that are around us that are in desperate need of a neighbor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you this morning.